Chapter Sixteen of Is He Popenjoy? This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please contact LibriVox.org. Read by Barry O'Neill. Is He Popenjoy? By Anthony Trollope. Chapter Sixteen. All is fish that comes to his net. The dean's week up in London during the absence of Lord George was gay enough but through it all and over it all there was that cloud of seriousness which had been produced by the last news from italy he rode with his daughter dined out in great state at mrs montacute jones's talked to mr houghton about newmarket and the next derby had a little flirtation of his own with hetta houghton into which he contrived to introduce a few serious words about the marquis and was merry enough but to his daughter's surprise he never for a moment ceased to be impressed with the importance of the italian woman and her baby what does that signify papa not signify of course it is to be expected that the marquis should marry why should he not marry as well as his younger brother in the first place he is very much older as to that men marry at any age look at mr houghton the dean only smiled do you know papa i don't think one ought to trouble about such things that's nonsense my dear men and women too ought to look after their own interests it is the only way in which progress can be made in the world of course you are not to covet what belongs to others you will make yourself very unhappy if you do if lord brotherton's marriage were all fair and above board nobody would say a word but as it has not been so it will be our duty to find out the truth if you should have a son do you not think that you would turn every stone before you would have him defrauded of his rights i shouldn't think any one would defraud him but if this child be anything else than what he pretends to be there will be fraud the germains though they think as i do are frightened and superstitious they are afraid of this imbecile who is coming over but they shall find that if they do not move in this matter i will i want nothing that belongs to another but while I have a hand and tongue with which to protect myself, or a purse which is better than either, no one shall take from me what belongs to me. All this seemed to Mary to be pagan teaching, and it surprised her much as coming from her father. But she was beginning to find out that she, as a married woman, was supposed to be now fit for other teaching than had been administered to her as a child she had been cautioned in her father's house against the pomps and vanities of this wicked world and could remember the paternal almost divine expression of the dean's face as the lesson was taught but now it seemed to her that the pomps and vanities were spoken of in a very different way the divine expression was altogether gone and that which remained though in looking at her it was always pleasant was hardly paternal miss mildmay aunt jew as she was called and gus mildmay came and called and as it happened the dean was in the drawing-room when they came they were known to be friends of miss houghton's who had been in brothershire and were therefore in some degree connected even with the dean gus began at once about the new marchioness and the baby and the dean though he did not of course speak to gus mildmay as he had done to his own daughter still sneered at the mother and her child in the meantime aunt ju was enlisting poor mary i should be so proud if you would come with me to the institute lady george i am sure i would be delighted but what institute don't you know in the marylebone road for relieving females from their disabilities 
Do you mean rights of women? I don't think papa likes that, said Mary, looking round at her father. You haven't got to mind what papa likes and dislikes any more, said the dean, laughing. Whether you go in for the rights or the wrongs of women is past my caring now. Lord George must look after that. I am sure Lord George could not object to your going to the Marleybone Institute, said Aunt Ju. Lady Selina Protest is there every week, and Baroness Bandman, the delegate from Bavaria, is coming next Friday. You'll find the disabilities awfully dull, Lady George, said Gus. Everybody is not so flighty as you are, my dear. Some people do sometimes think of serious things, and the Institute is not called the Disabilities. What is it all about? said Mary. Only to empower women to take their own equal places in the world, places equal to those occupied by men, said Aunt Ju eloquently. Why should one half of the world be ruled by the ipse dixit of the other? Or fed by their labors, said the dean. This is just what we are not. There are one million one hundred thirty-three thousand five hundred females in England. You had better go and hear it all at the disabilities, Lady George, said Gus. Lady George said that she would like to go, for once, and so the matter was settled. While Aunt Ju was pouring out the violence of her doctrine upon the dean, whom she contrived to catch in a corner just before she left the house, Gus Mildmay had a little conversation on her own part with Lady George. "'Captain de Baron,' she said, "'is an old friend of yours, I suppose.' She, however, had known very well that Jack had never seen Lady George till within the last month. "'No, indeed, I never saw him till the other day. I thought you seemed to be intimate.' and then the Houghtons and the De Barons and the Germains are all Brothershire people. I knew Mrs. Houghton's father, of course, a little, but I never saw Captain De Baron. This she said rather seriously, remembering what Mrs. Houghton had said to her of the love affair between this young lady and the captain in question. I thought you seemed to know him the other night, and I saw you riding with him. He was with his cousin Adelaide, not with us. I don't think he cares much for Adelaide, do you like him? Yes, I do, very much. He seems to be so gay. Yes, he is gay. He's a horrid flirt, you know. I didn't know, and what is more, I don't care. So many girls have said that about Captain de Baron, but they have cared afterwards. But I am not a girl, Miss Mildmay, said Mary, colouring, offended, and resolved at once that she would have no intimacy and as little acquaintance as possible with Gus Mildmay. "'You are so much younger than so many of us that are girls,' said Gus, thinking to get out of the little difficulty in that way. "'And then it's all fish that comes to his net.' She hardly knew what she was saying, but was anxious to raise some feeling that should prevent any increased intimacy between her own lover and Lady George. It was nothing to her whether or no she offended Lady George Germain. If she could do her work without sinning against good taste, well, but if not, then good taste must go to the wall. Good taste certainly had gone to the wall. Upon my word, I can hardly understand you. Then Lady George turned away to her father. Well, papa, has Miss Mildmay persuaded you to come to the Institute with me? I am afraid I should hardly be admitted after what I have just said. Indeed, you shall be admitted, Mr. Dean, said the old woman. We are quite of the church's way of thinking that no sinner is too hardened for repentance. I am afraid the day of grace is not yet come, said the dean. 
Papa, said Lady George, as soon as her visitors were gone, do you know I particularly dislike that younger Miss Mildmay? Is she worth being particularly disliked so rapidly? She says nasty, impudent things. I can't quite explain what she said. And again Lady George blushed. People in society now do give themselves strange liberty. Women, I think, more than men. You shouldn't mind it. Not mind it? Not mind it so as to worry yourself. If a pert young woman like that says anything to annoy you, put her down at the time, and then think no more about it. Of course you need not make a friend of her. That I shall certainly not do. On the Sunday after this, Lady George dined again with her father at Mr. Houghton's house, the dinner having been made up especially for the dean. On this occasion the mild maze were not there, but Captain de Baron was one of the guests. But then he was Mrs. Houghton's cousin, and had the run of the house on all occasions. Again there was no great party. Mrs. Montacute Jones was there, and Hetta, Mrs. Houghton, that is, whom all the world called Hetta, and Mrs. Houghton's father, who happened to be up in town. Again Lady George found herself sitting between her host and Jack de Baron, and again she thought that Jack was a very agreeable companion. The idea of being in any way afraid of him did not enter into her mind. Those horrid words which Gus Mildmay had said to her as to all being fish for his net had no effect of that nature. She assured herself that she knew herself too well to allow anything of that kind to influence her, that she, Lady George Germain, the daughter of the Dean of Brotherton, a married woman, should be afraid of any man, afraid of any too close intimacy, the idea was horrible and disgusting to her, so that when Jack proposed to join her and her father in the park on the next afternoon, she said that she would be delighted, and when he told her absurd stories of his regimental duties, and described his brother officers who probably did not exist as described by him, and then went on to hunting legends in Buckinghamshire, she laughed at everything he said, and was very merry. "'Don't you like Jack?' Mrs. Houghton said in her drawing-room. "'Yes, I do, very much. He's just what Jack ought to be. I don't know about that. I suppose Jack ought to go to church twice on Sundays, and give half of what he has to the poor, just as well as John. Perhaps he does. But Jack is bound to be amusing, while John need not have a word to say for himself. You know he's my pet friend. We are almost like brother and sister, and therefore I need not be afraid of him.' afraid of him why should anybody be afraid of him i am sure you needn't but jack has done mischief in his time perhaps he's not the sort of a man that would ever touch your fancy again lady george blushed but on this occasion she had nothing to say she did not want to quarrel with mrs houghton and the suggestion that she could possibly love any other man than her husband had not now been made in so undisguised a manner as before "'I thought he was engaged to Miss Mildmay,' said Lady George. "'Oh, dear, no, nothing of the kind. It is impossible, as neither of them has anything to speak of. When does Lord George come back?' "'To-morrow. Mind that he comes to see me soon. I do so long to hear what he'll say about his new sister-in-law. I had made up my mind that I should have to kowtow to you before long as a real live marchioness. You'll never have to do that.' Not of this child is the real Lord Popenjoy, but I have my hopes still, my dear. Soon after that, Hetta Houghton reverted to the all-important subject. 
you have found out that what i told you was true lady george oh yes all true i wonder what the dowager thinks about it my husband is with his mother she thinks i suppose just what we all think that it would have been better if he had told everybody of his marriage sooner a great deal better i don't know whether after all it will make a great deal of difference lady brotherton the dowager i mean is so thoroughly english in all her ways that she could never have got on very well with an italian daughter-in-law the question is whether when a man springs a wife and family on his relations in that way everything can be taken for granted suppose a man had been ever so many years in kamchatka and had then come back with a kamchatkan female calling her his wife would everybody take it as all gospel i suppose so do you i think not in the first place it might be difficult for an englishman to get himself married in that country according to english laws and in the next when there he would hardly wish to do so italy is not kamchatka miss houghton certainly not and it is in england people are talking about it a great deal and seem to think that the italian lady oughtn't to have a walk over miss houghton had heard a great deal about races from her brother and the phrase she had used was quite an everyday word to her lady george did not understand it but felt that miss houghton was talking very freely about a very delicate matter and she remembered at the same time what had been the aspirations of the lady's earlier life and put down a great deal of what was said to personal jealousy papa she said as she went home it seems to me that people here talk a great deal about one's private concerns you mean about lord brotherton's marriage that among other things of course they will talk about that it is hardly to be considered private and i don't know but what the more it is talked about the better for us it is felt to be a public scandal and that feeling may help us oh papa i wish you wouldn't think that we wanted any help we want the truth my dear and we must have it on the next day they met jack de baron in the park they had not been long together before the dean saw an old friend on the footpath and stopped to speak to him mary would have stayed too had not her horse displayed an inclination to go on and that she had felt herself unwilling to make an effort in the matter as she rode on with captain de baron she remembered all that had been said by gus mildmay and mrs houghton and remembered also her own decision that nothing of that kind could matter to her it was an understood thing that ladies and gentlemen when riding should fall into this kind of intercourse her father was with her and it would be absurd that she should be afraid to be a minute or two out of his sight i ought to have been hunting said jack but there was frost last night and i do hate going down and being told that the ground is as hard as brickbats at the kennels while men are ploughing all over the country and now it's a delicious spring day you don't like getting up captain de baron she said perhaps there's something in that don't you think getting up is a mistake my idea of a perfect world is one where nobody would ever have to get up i shouldn't at all like always to lie in bed but there might be some sort of arrangement to do away with the nuisance see what a good time the dogs have now captain de baron would you like to be a dog this she said turning around and looking him full in the face your dog i would at that moment just over his horse's withers she saw the face of gus mildmay who was leaning on her father's arm 
Gust bowed to her, and she was obliged to return the salute. Jack de Baron turned his face to the path, and seeing the lady, raised his hat. "'Are you two friends?' he asked. "'Not particularly.' "'I wish you were, but of course I have no right to wish in such a matter as that.' Lady George felt that she wished that Gus Mildmay had not seen her riding in the park on that day with Jack de Baron. End of chapter 16